Greetings, I am Erin Patton, metaphysical master in the millennial age, and it is my life's purpose to guide you and organizations along an enlightened path. So I invite you to sit comfortably and tune in as I welcome you to the Meta Business Millennial, where we get the real conversations you won't get in the boardroom so that we understand this is exactly the path we need to be on in order to grow, evolve, and thrive. Greetings, I am Erin Patton, also known as Master L, and welcome to the Meta Business Millennial Podcast. If you haven't already, I invite you to subscribe to my channel, my YouTube channel, follow me on the social media links, wherever you are on social media, and of course, like this video, share it with friends, because this message is definitely going to elevate, I believe, the consciousness of the business community, if not all of the collective, because we really need to start talking about those elephants in the room that are so difficult to talk about. And I know that this is going to resonate very deeply with you wherever you are. So definitely tune in and share it with friends because today we're talking about why diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives trigger everyone. And we know it as DEI, we know it as just diversity, belonging. And a lot of these, this language, particularly in corporate America, is perceived negatively. And I want to get into what I do for the meta business, and that's get to the root of issues, the emotional roots, the soul, spiritual roots, to really unlock and unblock the, the energy so that we really can start to solve for the problem. And obviously, this is a multi-layered concern. It's just not a singular problem, which is why part of the, the reason why it triggers everyone is because it affects everyone. And when we're thinking about how to create inclusive environments where everyone can feel like they belong and everyone can feel like they thrive, then the intentions have to come with that as well. And in the description, I talked about how Post George Floyd during the pandemic, we all know and are familiar and remember the Black Lives Matter movement that happened post George Floyd and what ensued in corporate America very quickly after. And we saw statements, emails from CEOs. We saw all kinds of financial initiatives that were happening to really target specifically the Black community, the African American community. And this in and of itself created a snowball effect where we saw lots of corporate, especially larger corporate organizations, hiring in DEI experts, hiring in folks that could really start to support companies in diversifying not only their, their internal operations, but also their reach to customers. And fundamentally, this is where the, the trouble ensues. Because when you move out of a place of reaction, when you move out of a place of, of a fear response, a fear of backlash, a fear of not being seen as um, acceptable in this day and time, 
then that fundamentally creates the momentum and the energy, if you will, for a campaign that also will be fear-based. So let's just start there. So when we're looking at organizations that are responding to diversity and equity inclusion with a sense of fear, wow, we don't want this type of behavior happening in our halls. We, we really don't want to you know, be having these hard conversations. So let's just bring someone in to really help us you know, do this. And that in and of itself is where the problem lies. So the intention of how you create initiatives, the intention for how you create anything new in an organization or in life in general have to be of a higher order for it to have the highest outcomes. And that's just very plain and simple energetics, very plain and simple universal law, universal principles. So when we are thinking back to that time, we can all kind of put ourselves back into 2020 and when all this was happening and, okay, yes, we're celebrating the idea of having some resolution, if you will, yet you're having a lot of people that are, are traumatized, fearful inside because of what they've seen on TV, the reactionary um, excitement that we saw with protests and, and violence and, and, and things that came out of, out of the, the BLM movement, the Black Lives Matter movement. And a lot of that fear, a lot of that anxiety is not being addressed in these DEI conversations. The DEI conversations are more focused, okay, how do we increase percentages? How do we get more people on boards? How do we get more people into, into our, our pipelines? And we're not thinking about how do we solve for the emotional trauma that this racism or sexism or genderism has created in our society. And essentially, that is what human beings are longing for, particularly human beings in your organization. Just increasing a percentage of a population is not going to fix an inclusivity issue, a belonging issue. And this is in many ways how our business approaches, our data-driven approaches, our um, evidence-backed approaches have shot us in the foot is that we heavily rely on numbers to inform our decisions when we should definitely have the numbers. We definitely should have the data. It's very important. And we also should have the emotional maturity and understanding the nuances of a situation, particularly one that's trauma-informed and trauma-based. And then we also have to have the, uh, the soul connection, the spiritual connection to self to understand, is this the best mode to move forward for my business? Because when we're not tapped into that, then we can move from a place that's not properly aligned with who we are. Actually, does it make sense for my organization to take on this diversity initiative when we really don't even feel that way culturally? when everyone here more or less is the same. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Because as human beings, we are gifted with free will. That's our gift as human beings. 
and we have the free will to make choices that we want to make. And no one can stop us from doing that. And I know this is the part that gets controversial because and often in most conversations, we're saying that everyone deserves a seat at the table. Well, whose table is it? Who built the table? Who made the food? Who set the plates? And now I guess I have to invite anybody to my table? Well, personally, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable doing that. Just because someone made me do it or said it was the right thing for me to do or else I'd be called a bad name. So we really have to start being more um, conscious about the demands that we make on leaders, the demands that we make in our businesses, the demands that we make in our organizations. Do they actually make sense? Is this something that I would do myself? And if not, maybe I need to move around and align with something different. And essentially, this is why DEI is triggering for everyone. Because it is a forcing mechanism as opposed to a power-informed initiative. One that's moving from a place of pure intention to create a space where everyone can build the table. Everyone can make the food together. Everyone can set the table and grab the forks and the plates and the napkins and we can all high five while we're putting it together. This is what it should feel like. And this is what it should be when in alignment with leadership, when in alignment with company goals, when in alignment with company vision, and if the company itself is not founded or the organization itself is not founded upon those principles, upon those values, then it doesn't make sense. And then it don't make dollars. So when we start to make that business case for diversity, that companies can be more profitable. Yes and no. Yes, it can be if it has that former descriptor where we've all agreed and in, in, in many ways had, you know, it can even be a covert agreement because we've interviewed for this organization and we've been, we've been invited to come in and we're really enjoying ourselves working together. Then we can definitely expect that profitability will skyrocket because this is in alignment with who we are as an organization. Yet when you're forcing these conversations around diversity, when you're forcing these conversations around trauma, racism, genderism, sexism, all of his isms, when you're forcing these conversations, it is not a productive exercise. It actually creates more division, more triggering, more uncomfortability, and these are not energies that are aligned with profitability. These are not energies that are aligned, aligned with productivity even. If anything, if they diminish that for individuals. People feel even more reluctant to contribute. And 
you know, this brings me into conversations too around, you know, a lot of this, <laughs> let me give also how what inspired this because I was having a conversation uh, on a podcast last week, um, the Amber Williams podcast, and we were talking and she asked me very specifically how I felt about DEI and as particularly as it related to Claudine Gay, the president that was recently resigned from Harvard University. Additionally, I had a conversation with a colleague um, who is a chief HR manager. He worked for IBM for many years in the chief function of, of people, managing people, and is now moving into other roles and has done DEI work in his past. Um, he's white male. And when he was interviewing, it was called out to him that his DEI notations on his resume could actually um, be a disadvantage to him in getting roles. And on top of that, you know, I guess I'm calling forth all these kind of DEI conversations and experiences and examples because I was just like on Instagram going through my business profiles and and kind of coming upon some like humorous ones. I have like lots of memes about corporate America. And there was one about DEI and how the guy was kind of dreading it. And one of the comments that popped up to me, popped up for me, said that DEI is anti-white. And I was like, wow, like, this is a real, a real issue in business because a lot of people have devoted and dedicated their careers to DEI. You know, there are a lot of folks that really are passionate about creating work cultures and environments that are, are enjoyable, pleasurable for everyone. And for it to be perceived as a disadvantage or anti a racial group or even you know the 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 blame for a president being having to resign from uh, one of the most esteemed uh, universities my alma mater in the world then this is something worth discussing and not worth discussing worth exploring worth studying and worth talking about for a while because we know that companies have spent a lot, have invested a lot, let's put it that way, have invested a lot in DE&I. Universities have created entire curriculums around it. Yet at the end of the day, we're seeing that it's still triggering to people of all backgrounds. So we have to then confront the root of the issue. What is the intention? Is the intention just so that we can have the quotas, meet the quotas and have the percentages and have the poster children on our, on our pamphlets and our brochures and put the flags and the, you know, the hashtags? Is that the intention? And if that is, just know that that is not sustainable. The intention to be just an ally and not really integrate the work in your organization is not sustainable. And the work really and truly comes with exploring, is this even right for us? Is this even aligned for our organization? Because it is totally okay 
to represent yourself as you are. And that's essentially what this meta business community, what this meta business work is about, is celebrating your authentic self, your true self. If authentic is triggering to you too, because I've read too that some people don't like that word or seen it, you know, on on um, on memes and, and posts. But what is your true self? Who are you, honestly? Are, are you someone who would rather just work with all women? Are you someone who'd rather just work with all persons of, of a particular ethnic group? If this brings you joy, if this brings you pleasure, then go for it. Go for it. The conversations we need to be having about inclusivity is more about how are people being treated when they are in these organizations, when you've chosen to bring them on, when you've chosen, when you've both agreed this will work out for us. How can we make this a win-win? That's when these inclusivity belonging efforts really matter. When they're coming from the right place, first of all, okay, I want to have a diverse organization. And now that you're here and we're so different, how do we make this work? And this goes for almost like any relationship now that I'm talking. This really is about communication. This really is about open and honest and loving, a love-based communication. And when we feel like we belong, then we're able to give a hundred plus percent. And when we feel like we are, are respected and honored, then we go above and beyond. And this fundamentally is the premise for why the meta business world is so important in this day and time, is that we're trying to inspire, empower, encourage the highest contributions from every human being on this planet. I mean, that's the whole goal, right, of us coming here, is to self-actualize, to be our highest self. And we absolutely can do this at work. We absolutely need to do this because this is where most adults at least spend majority of our time. <laughs> so if we're spending all of our time in these places, in these organizations, and we've both made the agreement to be here, how do we make sure that I feel like I belong? That the person who hired me feels comfortable with me too. These are the intentions that we should be setting. And if you have some numbers that reflect that, if you have some numbers that reflect how many of this group you have and how many of that group you have, kudos to you too. Yet that's not where we start. That's not where we start. Again, we start with, does this make sense for my organization to hire people that are different from me? Is this aligned with my values? And using the Harvard as the example, I very openly articulated like that fundamentally was a challenge with the initial hire of Claudia and Gay. Did Harvard seriously consider is hiring a black woman with this background aligned with who we are? I mean, we all know Harvard's very charged history, especially around African-Americans. Most of us know that, you know, a lot of the buildings were built with slave hands. 
a lot of the funding came from very, I would say, um, exploitive money sources, financial sources. And historically, the populations that have been served, that have graduated from Harvard, have been that of very blue blood elite groups. I went there, I know, I experienced the elitism. I too myself was, I must say, brainwashed a lot by this elitist kind of mindset and attitude. And had to unlearn a lot of that and reprogram myself to really be more open and seeing how, 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 how the differences in people can really add value to my life. Yet if this is not the work that the organization has done, and I can venture to say that Harvard has not done this work yet, why would they jump? Why would they put the cart before the horse in hiring someone who didn't reflect the core values of the organization, of the university, without doing the work, without creating the safe space for her to thrive? without support, getting alumni involved and understanding who their alumni bases are and their funders and how they think and feel about the people. I mean, I know that's part of the process. However, this kind of work takes more than just a few months of executive search or a presidential search, especially for a story, a multi-generational organization like Harvard. And that's a very, I would say blatant and trending example of how the DEI work can really backfire when not moved from the right intention, when not done from the right intention. Is it just to have a brochure, a poster woman? Is it just to be able to say, wow, we, we really are, are moving in a new direction because we've brought someone that leads our, our organization that looks like this? Or have you really done the work? Have you really done the work, Harvard, to have someone like this lead your organization and it be okay with all of the constituents in such a way where she can actually be successful? And I don't believe that that work was properly done. And we see the results of it massive racist emails that that woman received, massive backlash that she received from in, in a very politically charged ethnic situation. There was very little, very little support and foundation for these types of conversations in that organization. Very little groundwork, foundational work had been laid for these hard conversations to be had in a safe container where people's lives and livelihoods weren't feeling threatened. So this is why, you know, I start by saying that DEI triggers everyone. When it's not created in a safe container with the right intentions, it can be calamitous, it can be dangerous for all those involved including those that it was intended to serve. 
especially for those that it was meant to serve. And I hope that this starts to awaken more honest conversations around how we approach diversity and inclusion and equity and belonging conversations as we are wanting to create a world that's more harmonious, that's more loving, more supportive, more productive, more profitable for businesses. How do we do that from the right intentional space in place? That's the fundamental question. And when we're able to answer that question, honestly, authentically, then we're able to create the strategies, hire the people, and then create the processes to do the work. But the work first starts with, is this even aligned with where we want to go? So this is the work that we do at the Meta Business World. We ask these deep questions. We ask these honest questions. And then we support leaders. We support teams with creating the right processes, supporting the right culture. And then, of course, aligning the mindsets towards success in this work. And it looks like a few different offerings. So we have our, our activations, our VIP days, our retreats, where we come into organizations and we really start to lift up these conversations, especially if it's around belonging, if it's around sales, if it's around organizational structure, we can really tailor our, our, our workshops towards that which you feel is plaguing your organization or just needs some growth or refreshment. And we also have our meta strategy offerings that really start to lift up. How do we grow this work? How do we create the incentive structures? How do we find the people that can make sure that this work is sustainable well into the future? Because I say this every week and I will always say this, that business as we've done it in the past is not compatible with the future. So we are at the meta business world supporting future compatible businesses and organizational structures, supporting them, designing them, co-creating them. And then of course we have our meta coaching, which is when leaders work one-on-one -on -one with me and our facilitators to really empower leaders to hold the work, hold the, hold the containers for the work so that it doesn't get too messy, you know? We as leaders have to be able to clear our own, you know, blockages, our own preconceptions, our own kind of um, uh, doubts, if you will, fears, in order to see this transformational work through. And so I, I really invite you to, to, to my website, www.erinpatton.com, to look, explore more about our offerings, explore more about how this work can serve you, can serve your organization. Of course, follow me at I am Erin Patton across social media channels. And of course, the Meta Business Millennial Podcast is across social media. I'd love for you to continue to tune in every week. I'm here live on all social media channels on Mondays at 10 a.m. Central. And you can like this video, share it with friends, follow my, 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 um, my, my channels. I love you all so much. I thank you for your time, for tuning in. Until the next time, peace. Did you really love this episode of the Meta Business Millennial Podcast? Well, I am honored. 
And I appreciate you subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing it with your friends because your feedback allows us to co-create more enlightened conversations. And if you're interested in growing your soul now, head over to my website, erinpatton.com, to find all the show notes, links, and free resources to get your energy activated today. In the meantime, stay bright, my friends. Much love and light. Peace.